Hi, and thanks for tuning into the Bacon Warrior Podcast. On today's episode, we talked about MSU basketball's loss to Northwestern on Sunday. We went over National Signing Day and some of the movements in the transfer portal for MSU football, both coming in and leaving. Before we talk to 2021 signee Kevin Wington about his recruiting process, uh, signing his letter of intent, and being excited to come to MSU. And then we welcome on Carter Landis and co-host of the Hezzy Hay podcast, uh, Trevor Mulready, to talk about the last two episodes of Amanda. Here's Flying Dog 97. Thanks, Flying Dog 97. When I'm not hanging Elite Eight banners instead of Final Four banners, I'm Spartan Dog 97. I'm here with the boys, Lucas and Brett. Guys, what's going on? Not much. Just enjoying another day in paradise. Uh, really just basking in the glory of all of our Elite Eight banners. Just such an honor to have those hanging up at the Breslin. <laughs> God, what? Uh, I don't, I'm not going to go into that. <laughs> so, um, I think if there's one word to describe the last uh, 12 hours as an MSU basketball fanatic follower, um, it would be pain. So um, we're going to talk about that. But first, I just want to touch. Um, I, I really was planning on skipping our three minutes alliance talk this week just because there's so much other stuff to talk about. <laughs> and I truthfully, I didn't watch the game. I was grinding on Nuketown 24-7 instead of watching that debacle. Um, it seemed like a good choice. But uh, today the Lions announced that they had fired the only, co- the only coordinator who seemed worth the damn this year, uh, special teams coach Braden Coombs. According to Dave Burkett, it sounded like a culture issue, which like the Lions have no culture. So I don't understand how there can be a fucking culture issue if there is none. That's like saying, that's like saying Magic Johnson has a white blood cell issue. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, it's funny. Last week, we were kind of talking about the next direction of the team and where they're going to go with the coaching search. And we highlighted Braden Coombs is the one bright spot with his coaching staff, how they have one of the best special teams unit in the NFL. And then he goes rogue, does his own thing, and boom, gone. Clearly, he's oh, the fuck. issue. Oh, oh, fuck, guys. Are we cursed? Do we just are, – are, are we a curse? I, I – you know what? I think the Lions have enough curses. I don't know. If, I don't know. If, I don't know if Bacon Wire is the, the final nail in the coffin. All right. So the, just an SOL move. That that's all I have to. That's that's the main thing I wanted to say. It's an SOL move from an organization that specializes in SOL moves. So uh, yep. we we don't have to we don't have to stick on them too long. Uh, so let's just let's just talk about it. Let's just talk about MSU basketball's loss to Northwestern last night. <sighs> you know, I tweeted this on the Bacon Warrior account, and I still think it's true. You can be both pissed off with what happened last night and be worried about the long-term viability of the team as it's currently being coached, while also recognizing that at some point, Tom Izzo and the rest of the and the rest of the team will figure it out. 
Um, the major red flag for me, I don't know about you guys, but the biggest red flag for me coming out of that game last night was I don't like how short Rocket's leash is. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's a little, un, you know, again, this is why I'm not, this is why I don't have more Final Fours than, in, than entire programs. Excuse me, Elite Eights. Um, I am more, you know, I'm not the one with more Elite Eights than entire programs. But I don't really understand how you can expect a guy to who hasn't played proper point guard in three plus years and go, okay, you're going to run this extremely complicated offense now. And anytime you make the slightest mistake, I'm going to pull you to teach you some kind of lesson. You know, it, it feels like the one-armed guy from Arrested Development, <laughs> like Tom is those constantly teaching Rocket lessons. And I just don't understand. Yeah. I don't get it. Um, I didn't really watch most of the game based – I had the other stuff going on, but based upon the, the chats and the Twitter, it was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, doing doing marital sex. Um, do not do premarital sex if you're a listener to the pod. Um, <laughs> I was going to say something. Else. I'm not going to, but uh, – it just sounded like, and from what I watched after the game and read, like, yeah, the, the short leash pisses me off because Foster, he can outscore a certain person by getting more than 3.2 points per game, but that's about his ceiling and that's about his leash. I don't understand. Like, you need to let Rocket cook. Like, let Russ cook, let Rocket cook because the, the, the type this type of shit happening is going to make him just straight up say, fuck it, and go to the NBA um, no matter how good or bad of a season he, he has this year. Yeah, it's, it's infuriating because you see Rocket, he'll make one mistake that's really, I mean, might be boneheaded or it may just be him trying to force something. And then you watch some of the other guys on the team like Foster and more specifically Thomas Kithier. They make the same oh. mistakes every game, almost at the same time in the same location, every game. And they get the, they, they get to play, I mean, more minutes than they probably should. Um Personally, I don't think Thomas Kithier belongs on a D1 roster just based off of kind of what we've seen from him. He's good for – I was telling, I was in a group chat with some friends earlier and texting about it, and I said Thomas Kithier is good for two things, two early fouls and then four mistakes down in the post later on in the game when he comes back in. That's, he, that's all he's good for. It, you know, and the, more I, the more I thought about it in the aftermath of the game and the more I kind of talked it out both, you know, with you guys – um, our friends on Twitter and with just like some of my real life fans and even my parents is that MSU is, has like four or five of these losses a year where like they don't look ready. They get smacked in the mouth. They don't know how to respond. Izzo spends most of the second half on the bench with his, with his face between his hands and they get, and they get absolutely demolished by a lesser opponent and it sparks and he and Izzo uses it as a lesson. Usually it comes earlier in a season, right? Usually it comes in the Champions Classic or it comes in one of those in, or it comes in like the Maui Invitational or one of those Thanksgiving week tournaments. But because they didn't have that this year and because Duke is a much worse team than everyone thought they were, 
it just the fat I called it a fat and sassy loss, right? Because that's what Izzo called it. You know, they look fat, they're getting fat and sassy. That's that's his like go to quote whenever the team starts to get complacent. So it was obvious they obviously had a fat and sassy loss last night. And, you know, I that you can just chalk it up to that. But if 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 Izzo is gonna keep if Izzo is gonna keep Rocket on such a short leash, then why even play him at one? Just move him back to two. And if you really like Foster that much, playing one that you're willing to bench Rocket and potentially hurt his confidence long term to so you can teach him a lesson or because you think the offense operates better under Foster, it doesn't. But and Izzo knows that. So you either need to go, fuck it, this isn't gonna work, you're gonna play two, and we're just gonna roll with Foster. And hopefully Hogard progresses at the same clip he has been because I I don't know what else I don't know what else to do. I mean, my other suggestion would just be fuck it, start Jack. I don't know what else I don't know who else on the roster can run the offense besides Rocket. Like he's yeah. gonna make mistakes. He's Rocket. What you know? He that's the kind of player he is. If you want him to play like Cassius Winston, then you know don't hold your breath. <laughs> Yeah, and I think you also need to do that. I think you just need to let Rocket learn on his own. I mean, this is the perfect time to do it just because you're playing inferior teams like Northwestern, and then obviously you have a big matchup with Wisconsin on Christmas Day. But, I mean, the fact that you're plotting out Foster Lawyer, who's nearly useless, and then you got Thomas Kithier out there over Willie Call, who's been arguably our second or third best player throughout the year. It just, I mean, it's hard to question Tom Izzo just based off of his resume. And his ability to kind of, I mean, last year, this team looked horrible at this time. I mean, like there's questions, people in our fan base were like, this like a, a play-in team or whatnot. And obviously they go and win the big 10, but um, at the same time, I think it, it is upon the fans to kind of not accept this type of performance just because it's just, it's not acceptable for this level of program. Right. I just think, I think, I think the MSU fans are a little more, are a little more um, susceptible to overreaction than, than others, just based on, you know, the expectations of, of the program and where the program has been and what the program is going and where the program is going to go in the very near future. And I just, I really, I was really, really pissed off last night. Right. Because, they didn't play. They didn't play like I like I've seen them play in six games so in the five games so far this year that I've seen them. In. But I think we're you know in the words of Kendrick Lamar, we gonna be all right. You know it's Izzo. You know the worst thing D'Antonio ever did was teach Izzo what manufactured disrespect was because I think Izzo leans on it a little bit too much, honestly. So, you know, Izzo needed to manufacture some disrespect. So, you know, he just, he, I don't know what he needs to do with Rocket in order to like, I don't know what Rocket needs to do. I don't know what's going on in practice. I'm not at practice, but I, I would really, you know, I talked to, um, I talked to our friend David Klein DK last night at Spartan Hoops. And I was like, like, what is like, I need someone smarter than me to explain what's going on. Right. And he said, He's shooting a little quick, but other than that, I don't know. I really don't know. So, you know, as as far as as far as Friday goes, I 
I guess we'll see. I don't know. You know, but Izzo said in uh, his post-game presser last night that uh, he had been tweeting, he had been treating the team with kid gloves and the gloves have come off. So, uh, that, you know, I guess we'll see how they come out on Friday, I suppose, right? Yeah, I mean, and this has kind of been a theme where he's like, oh, I've been too easy on these guys. He said it last year. Um, I mean, there was other circumstances why he was being a little bit easier on the guys. But then once Izzo kind of kicks it in that second gear, um, it's a wake-up call, and usually the team comes out and they become a different team. I'm sure two months from now, we, middle of February, we're going to be seeing – uh, somebody really step up and I, well, the one thing I do want to point out is Josh Langford looked a lot better yesterday. He was really more explosive with the ball, uh, kind of creating his own shots and finishing at the rim. Obviously he had some foul trouble. He fouled up, I think with like eight or nine minutes left. And that was kind of uh, a signal for me to go turn on Nuketown 24 um, seven. <laughs> but I, I mean, there each year, there's going to be that guy that kind of steps up and it's just going to be interesting to see who kind of can take that next step. I think, Gabe Brown has shown flashes that he can uh, potentially be that guy. Uh, but I really think it's going to be Malik Hall. I think just based off what we've seen from him and his skill set, that's going to be the guy that if he keeps playing to the level that he did against Seton Hall and even against Duke, that's going to be uh, one of the best players down the stretch. I I agree with you, Brett. You know, I I've long thought that the short term, the short term answer at five is, is Julius Marble, you know, and that's, that's not just me like blowing smoke up, up asses. It's, I think it's true. I think I, I even, I was even, he was one of the few people that impressed me last night. Um, he, he showed a lot of effort where other players didn't. And mm-hmm. that really, that really impressed me. And, why you keep trotting 15 out there, I have no, I have no idea. I don't know what kind of, I don't know what kind of deal Izzo had made with, with whoever, you know, I don't know if like, that's the only way he gets Dane to stick around on staff and not take a coaching job somewhere else. I really, I, I am perplexed by his continued support of Thomas Kithier and the fact that Thomas Kithier has a longer leash than fucking Rocket Law. Yeah, it, it, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. There's, it, I, that's the one thing I cannot rationalize with this coaching staff. I, everything else I can just chalk up to. There's letting the guys learn. They're just doing their thing. They usually do, but Thomas Kithier, no one has ever had this type of leash and been this bad. Like he does not belong on a D one roster. Like yeah, he's too, it, he's I, not good. He, Oakland's too good for him. He should I like if Greg Campy, if Thomas Kithier or Jane tweets him or something, uh, I would just, I would just, close the window. Like, I'm not dealing with that. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad. Lucas, do you have a thought on Kithier? Cause I have a sweet transition uh, that I want to pull out, but I was kind of having a meltdown last night and uh, the game, that game, that football game, which I will not mention uh, didn't help with the basketball game going, but I'm, yeah, I don't understand why. I mean, you know, Grand Couch kind of said, you know, Kithier can contribute some value, but I'm like, where the fuck is it? And I just, I, I don't think it helps the fan base when you have her, his mom saying shit like he's responsible for Cassius and X being drafted. That's fucking horse shit. And if she ever listens to this, that's fine. I'm really sick and tired of him. I'm not going to like say he's complete asshole or anything, but 
you know, I, I try not to bash kids playing sports, you know, cause they're not getting paid for it. They're not, they're not bring, they're not, they're just risking themselves for it. But, uh, I, I think there's, I think there's <laughs> bashing and I think there's, I think there's being realistic. Right. And if I wanted to bash Thomas, which I don't, I no. would say something like, I would say, I would do a handshake. I would do one of my patented handshake memes where I would go, Thomas Kithier, uh, <laughs> Johann Schmidt taking the super soldier serum handshake, a failed experiment. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, but, I, you know, I don't, it's I don't just like bashing kids, but no, man, it's, you know, I, it's I, obvious that it's obvious that Kithier's, that Kithier's out of his depth. Um, you know, and I think, I, I think that I think I, I was finishing my thought from earlier, Brett, and then we'll move on. Um, I, I've always believed that the short-term answer at five is Julius Marble. I honestly think the short-term answer at five right now is Malik Hall. He's not going to start Luca Garza, but neither is Marble. Neither is Bingham. No. Neither is, neither is Kith here. So, you know, if you, you know, I think the offense moves better with Malik Hall playing that center position. So I, you know, if I'm if I'm Tom Izzo, which I'm not, I'm I'm way taller than Tom Izzo. <laughs> but <laughs> that's just that that's just me going forward. Brett, you mentioned that Kithier might transfer to Oakland, and he would have to ans- enter the transfer portal. Speaking of the transfer portal, uh, a lot of movement on the Michigan State football roster. Um, National Signing Day was National Signing Day was last Wednesday. We have. Um, great friend of the program, Kevin Wainington coming on next to, to talk about his signing day and how his season went and what he thought of and what he thought of coach Tucker and what, and what we collectively have labeled this as year zero. So that'll be interesting to hear from him. Um, but the, you know, we got everyone we thought we were going to get, we lost Audric Estime to, to <laughs> Notre Dame, which, which was expected. I mean, you know, it's a dream school, right? Like I'm not going to, I'm not going to fault a kid for choosing his dream school. No, um, I, I wish him all the best, but um, <laughs> shut up, Brett. <laughs> Don't send it to the chat <laughs> out loud, coward. Uh, but there, there's been a lot of movement in the portal. Um, MSU is, MSU has seen it from both ends. Um, basically anyone Mark D'Antonio recruited from the class of 2018 out of Belleville is gone. Mm-hmm. They're in the portal. Um, Rocky Lomb- yeah, Rocky Lombardi is gone. Um, you know, Bacon Wire had it first. Uh, we did. We did. I mean, other Instagram, re- other Instagram reports were reporting it, but we were the first one to have it confirmed. So, suck my dick. Um, I really shouldn't be speaking like this. I'm in Florida right now with my family and, like, my grandparents and, like, my three-year-old cousins, like, on the other side of this door. So... Um, I might have to go. I might have to go PG thirteen for a little bit. Uh, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> but we also got a couple guys in the portal. Uh, we got uh, Anthony Russo from Temple. Uh, hey, I'm quarterback in here. Also um, directed Avengers Endgame. Yeah, is a, yeah, is yeah, quite, director, is quite the resume. Of, yeah, director of Captain America and the Winter Soldier, Captain yeah. America: Civil War, Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> Very accomplished, accomplished young man. Yeah, he did all that and was setting and was and basically holds every offensive record at Temple University. So that's cool. 
Um, and we also got Harold Joyner. Uh, the king has come home to the castle. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, he, uh, as a transfer from Auburn, um, you know, under normal circumstances, Russo would be able to play right away. He's grad transferring. Uh, but thanks to the waived eligibility rules, Harold Joyner is going to be able to play right away. He's not going to have to sit out or seek a waiver or anything like that. Um, he's going to be good to go. Um, I wanted to I wanted to get your guys' thoughts real quick before we talk to Kevin about um, the the additions as well as the attrition from the roster um, in yeah. the in on signing day and like the the aftermath of signing day. I think it's all positive. I mean, losing Barnett, it was kind of a shock, but writing was kind of on the wall just based off of what we've heard for rumblings in terms of him. Not really things not clicking in practice and walkthroughs. Um, so, I mean, it's tough to always lose a kid that talented, but um, I think with the additions, the signings we made, uh, I think it's kind of a net positive as well as the one I'm really excited about is Harold Joyner, just kind of mm -hmm. saying somebody who's 6'3". Um, we're going to be, these guys don't know yet, but we have received some workout film from Harold. Um, so we've got him doing some different drills that it's really impressive what this guy, what he looks like and kind of what he's able to do on the football field. So uh, we'll have a bacon wire exclusive there. Um, but yeah, I mean, you get somebody who's six, three who can run, uh, reportedly he was running a, a four, three, four, three, five, uh, this off season, which is like absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you got somebody who's the size of Derrick Henry. So obviously then not comparing him to King Henry, but I mean, that's the type of back you're going to be getting just fast, physical, uh, be something we haven't really had since, uh, Le'Veon. So that's going to be exciting. Uh, I think Russo, he's going to come here. I, I would peg him as a starter right now, but I think ultimately his biggest benefit is going to be pushing Peyton Thorne. Uh, I think it's always healthy to have good competition, especially at the most important spot. So I think if those two both are uh, trying to get playing time for this team, I think that's just going to, I mean, competition leads to greatness in my opinion. So I'm excited to kind of see improved quarterback play. And then obviously we'll get to some more talk at the signings when uh, Kevin comes on. But ultimately, I think uh, with the transfers going out and coming in, um, I'm sure we'll see more transfers coming in. We did get an offensive lineman from Arkansas State who's probably going to be starting at right tackle. So, And he was on a watch list for best offensive lineman this year. So I think there's just a lot of positives to take from this roster overhaul that we were promised by Mel Tucker back in February. Lucas, I have a thought, and uh, you can tell me if I'm right or wrong on this, but I view the quarterback um, competition and the situation in the quarterback room right now as, as a win-win, right? Because if Russo comes in, wins the job, then that's fine. We get a more than serviceable quarterback who proved himself to be effective at the group of five level, who is now going to step up to big boy football at the power five level and, and, you know, give, give one year to show the NFL what he's got. Uh, and then we can, we can transition to champ Bay. Uh, but if Pete, but if Peyton Thorne wins the job from from Russo, right? Um, he might get whacked. Uh, he might be sleeping with the fishes. But uh, but that means that Thorne maybe has a higher higher ceiling than we all thought. Yeah, it's a win win. Yeah, yeah like it, you said, it, it creates um, it creates competition and it will push Thorne to be better. And uh, like that one dipshit Spartan fan. Slim Sparty said he, he keeps saying that we said he's a savior. No one said that we want the savior. 
But we said him. This was a stopgap in my opinion. Huh? Full transparent, full transparency. Brett, I'm pretty sure Brett has said on more than one occasion that Hampay is the savior. <laughs> I haven't used those exact words, but I definitely hinted at it, and I do believe that um, he will be the quarterback who gets us back to Indianapolis. Russo's a stopgap that will breed competition one way or another, and if Russo wins the job, probably means Thorne's gone. But it could also give Thorne a chance to kind of sit back and learn from a guy who has a lot of experience and has more credibility than, let's be honest, than anyone really had before this season. And it gives Faye a chance to sit and cook a little bit more, keep keep him in the oven a little bit longer. Like, there's nothing wrong with Hamp Faye redshirting a year or or, or so. Like, he's going – I think he's going to be – No, I'm not going to say savior either. I think he's going to be one of the guys that Mel Tucker will build will build the program around. And just my final thoughts on like the transfers. I think we could all kind of tell Dobbs was going to go. I was surprised about Barnett, but I mean, Dobbs, did he, did he even play this year? No, no. Very. I think he got some very limited special teams reps. I don't think he was um, the Barnett thing. The Barnett thing I think comes down to um, a clashing vision. Yeah. You know, I think if, I think if Tucker and maybe even D'Antonio had been a little more committed to using him on offense. Yeah. He kind of got a bad deal there. Yeah. I, you know, he, he didn't go to Michigan specifically because they wanted him to, they wanted him to play defense the majority of the time. So, (laughs) right. And, you know, he got to Michigan state and D'Antonio just made him do the same thing. And then Tucker kind of carried that over. So yeah, I mean, you know, it, I it, go ahead, go ahead. What this what this says for the future of what this says for the future of Mel Tucker's relationship with Belleville, I don't know, but you know, as long as as long as Jim, as long as Khaki Man is in Ann Arbor, then our relationship with Belleville can't possibly be worse than Michigan is. So, right. um, I and, think I think we're okay. And I think you know. Yeah, it's going to hurt Belleville for a little bit. But, like, the more I think about it, Tucker's a national recruiter. Like, we've all said D'Antonio was starting to go national, and then we had that whole train wreck of 2016, and he became regional again. Like, he became a MAC-level recruiter. And that's no, no disrespect to the players he brought. That's just, like, the region he was in. Whereas Tucker's, like, the whole United States, throw darts, where am I going? And I'm not too worried about it. I think he's going to build it back eventually. I'd be shocked if it was just forever cut off until someone else comes in. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'll be I'll be interested to see. You know, um, not only how um, the not only how the you know not only who who stays from this team, but you know who else leaves. I don't think we're done seeing attrition. Um, I think. I think around February, I think we're going to see a lot more just depending on, you know, who Tucker kind of, who Tucker is able to flip in between now and then. Um, I, I had talked, you know, it's funny. I had talked to uh, Damon Payne over the weekend, um, 2021 Alabama recruit, um, just an absolute animal. And I asked him, I was like, you know, uh, for, you know, I, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to yell at a kid for choosing Harvard. Right. And for what Damon Payne wants to do, like Alabama is Harvard more or less. Right. But I asked him, I was like, you know, where did Michigan state rank for you? And he said, second, he said, he liked what Mel Tucker's doing. He liked what he's building, but 
Um, it ultimately came down to it ultimately came down to competing visions of what of what they of what he wanted versus what um, Tucker and the staff were willing to give him and talk to him about. So, uh, you know, he, Damon Payne's a great kid. Um, he's going to be he's going to be successful. Um, he likes Taylor Swift. I like Taylor Swift. So homie for life. Good shit. So um, with that. Uh, you're going to hear a word from our sponsor and then we're going to get right into it with a uh, friend of the program, Kevin Wayington. Listen up, fellas. 2020 sucked. It's almost the new year, which means new balls with our sponsor, Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels and helping 2 million men all over the world get rid of hair on their balls. If you let yourself go in 2020 while in quarantine, Manscaped is here for you to reboot and stay clean and shaved in 2021. 2020 fucking sucked. I hated it so much. The only good thing that came out of this godforsaken year was this podcast. And Manscaped is here to give you a fresh start in 2021 with their Perfect Package 3.0 that has all of the right tools for the job. Come out of quarantine with clean balls thanks to the Lawnmower 3.0. This waterproof and skin safe trimmer will reduce nicks to your two best friends. The third generation trimmer even has a light to give you the glow up you need in 2021. It's also time to freshen up down there this year. The Crop Preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? And for on-the-go freshness, you'll love the Crop Reviver Ball Toner Spray. 2020 was awful, so make sure your boys are refreshed and ready for new beginnings in 2021. Manscaped even threw in their shed travel bag to keep all your goodies stored comfortably. Speaking of comfort, the Manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs are also included and are hands down the best underwear that you will ever wear. A guy with hairy balls is like the year 2020. Don't be that guy. Get 20% off and free shipping with code BACON at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code BACON. Happy New Year to your balls. We now welcome on a uh, longtime friend of the program and newest signee of Michigan State University, Kevin Wingington. Kevin, what's going on, man? How you doing? Nothing much. Good to have you. Good to be on. Yeah, thanks for coming oh, yeah. on, Kevin. Um, it's been a while since we talked to you. Um, so first, we just want to say congratulations on your signing. Uh, welcome to MSU. Uh, it's you know long time coming. Uh, great to finally, great to make it official. Um, but I wanted to, I want to get your thoughts, Kevin. Um, we haven't talked to you since we haven't talked to you since the season started. So um, I kind of wanted to, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on on how you think this year went for Coach Tucker and the Spartans. Yeah, well, I'll just say uh, thanks for, you know, um, having me on. But um, I thought the season went, you know, pretty well considering everything. Um, two top 15 wins and then, um, you know, talking about the transfer portal success he's having right now. And, um, you know, I think a lot of I – don't, I don't know. I haven't, like, really read a lot about it. But I think they said there's nine people we've that have, like, left for the portal. Um, yeah. There's going to be a lot more because you got to think we didn't have a spring practice or – you know what I mean? So that's where you usually get a couple players here and there. But I thought everything went well. You know, I think it's good they played. It's kind of, you know, you're starting to lay the foundation. Uh, you know, you look at the – you go back, watch the Rutgers game versus uh, 
like let's say the Northwestern game just was like two totally different teams, you know, so things are trending the right direction. Yeah, I think I think consistency was kind of the was kind of one of the bigger issues for for the team this year and it was always going to be an issue for the team um no matter no matter what no matter what hurdles Tucker faced. So I think I think once he's able to get you guys in and you know kind of get his guys from the portal, I think we're going to see a little bit more of a of a consistent product. I uh, I wanted to ask you about about your timeline, Kevin. Um, here in Michigan, the um, the playoff. Well, I'm in Florida, but like back in Michigan, right? Uh, the uh, the MHSAA, the high school athletics, they're they're starting football playoffs back up. Were you able to complete the season? Yeah, or we only, did COVID kind of stop you? We only yeah we completed it. We only played six games, but. Uh... Yeah, I read how they're getting ready to start back up, which is kind of crazy because you know Michigan's already pretty cold, you know. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Uh, there's a lot of you know there's they're gonna start like almost at the end too. They're starting at the quarter. They're doing state quarterfinals. That's kind of where they left off um, when the governor shut the state back down. Um, so for for you, um, are you? I haven't heard this. Are you graduating early or are you graduating in May? In May. Uh, okay. May eighth, something around there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, um, so you know, uh, what? Um, so now that you're, now that now that it's official, now that it's officially official, right? And you're kind of, and you're kind of moved on from your high school program. What, like, what is like the, what is like the training regimen like going to be for you in that time before you before you step before you move into East Lansing? Yeah, it's funny you say that. So um, I actually just got my workout schedule from Michigan State a couple hours ago. Um, you know, you're able to get that after you sign. But uh, already I was doing five days a week, 7 a.m. Uh, with my trainer. But um, no, it's just basically it's going to be a lot more conditioning. That's something Michigan State is really big on is, you know, making sure you're in you know the best shape possible. and uh, Really just, you know, almost two days for – almost 13 or 14 weeks and then, you know, be ready to go. Yeah. So uh, I know that you've been kind of one of the class's biggest, biggest recruiters um, throughout, you know, throughout kind of from your commitment onward. Um, obviously the signing period isn't over yet. There's another day in February. Um, is there anybody you're, is there anyone you're maybe working on to kind of get, to kind of get into that February signing day? I would say two main guys, uh, Ms. Linsky. I was talking to him yesterday. <laughs> he, he was saying he was loving all the edits and all that stuff. But uh, Ms. Linsky That's... and um, Keon Coleman. Okay. Um, that Those are the only two that I've been – I wouldn't say assigned to, but those are the two people I'm in contact with. Um, and, uh, you know, things are looking good for both. They obviously just – Ms. Linsky didn't drop a top list, but, it, you know, it's pretty much us in one other school. And, uh, you know – um, Keon Coleman, we're in pretty good shape with him too. Yeah, Brett, you can speak more on the edits because the vast the, was the Kobe the Kobe one was your brainchild, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you you kind of just see because uh, it was raised to our attention by a pretty good friend of the pod that uh, Corey Robinson dropped a post about Zelensky and uh, just figured it was time to bring back those those edits and refreshed it we brought back a couple old ones and brought in a couple new ones and sure as we kind of get closer to a decision uh i think we got some more ammo 
coming up. So uh, we'll always keep that in mind. So, I mean, as fans, obviously we want to show all recruits love, um, just show that obviously they're welcome at Michigan State and that they come here, we're going to make it the best possible environment for anybody. Um, if they don't choose here, there's no hard feelings. Uh, obviously, we're disappointed to lose anybody, but uh, we know that the staff's going to recruit every day. We know that the recruits are going to recruit every day, and then we'll show love as often as we can as well. And then, obviously, with Keon Coleman, I think he'd just be kind of electrifying for this team, uh, just based off kind of his his social media. He's really outgoing, uh, energetic, and he's kind of like – I mean, he's got like that star type of feel to him. So I think getting him in this program would be a huge boost. And I think that it would help take the offense to the next level, as well as some of the pieces we have, uh, as well as what we're gaining through recruiting and through the portal. Yeah, no, I, I was talking to Ms. Linsky, the uh, one edit with uh, him as the uh, the Paul Bunyan trophy or whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we had a good laugh at that one. That was funny. But, yeah, I think that that's my favorite one. Yeah, well, I, the, Kevin, Keon, the Keon Coleman, he's a he would be a different type of receiver because you know you look at Jalen Naylor, Jaden Reed, and Ricky White, they're all kind of like six foot, six foot one, but he's six four, six five, you know. So just someone out, someone on the outside that could you know long balls and all that. Yeah, I I, I wanted to ask you about Keon. Um, actually, Kevin, uh, when he drops like his top schools list, he drops one for both football and basketball and it's the same list of schools so is is Keon looking to is Keon looking to play both sports wherever he ends up or is he just is he trying to find a or is he trying to find a prep does he have a preference towards one or the other he, he's definitely playing both in college uh, from what he told okay. me and you know my I told him it's I don't think there's a better basketball program and football program that uh you know he's getting recruited by right now no, definitely. Uh, he he'd be like uh, we call the twenty twenty one recruiting class like the Infinity Gauntlet because there's there's like six of them and they're all really good. He would be like the hidden Infinity Gauntlet that's maybe <laughs> like on Thanos's like other ring finger or whatever. Uh, but uh, so uh, Lucas, do you have any do you have any questions for Kevin? The only one I can think of is how pumped are you to get here? How ready are you? Yeah, definitely excited, you know, going back to saying, like, you know, now that I'm signed, it's officially official. But, uh, you know, I've been ready for a while. And the biggest thing was I, was I was trying to stay as focused as I could on my senior season. But now that it's done, you know, I'm focused on, you know, Michigan State, all things Michigan State. So um, I wish my school doesn't let me go early, but I wish I was going in January. But um, I'll be ready come, you know, May or early June. For sure. And I awesome. do have a question. Um Obviously, kind of the, the joke on MSU Twitter about you guys' class is everybody is so tall. Um, I'm 5'9", I'm 5'10 five, five, on a good day. Am I going to be allowed in the stadium? Like, is there going to be a requirement for fans? Like, yeah, they're going to be like the impressive. high six, like at amusement park. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. you got to be this. Yeah, they're going to put me in the upper deck or something so they don't see me. Yeah, no, that that was a that was a funny thing, you know. Colton started. I think I think it was kind of right after I committed. I think that was the first time he he brought that out. But um, yeah, no, the the size is a big part, and I know that was a. I remember saying Reed and Coach Tucker like doesn't even want people on the board if they don't fit, you know, that that size requirement uh, per position. Yeah, because I mean, you gotta. I mean, if you're like his goal, like he stated multiple times, which obviously we love, is that the goal is to compete with Ohio State and to beat Ohio State. And in order to do that, you got to come with some dogs. 
So, I mean, we can't have people my size going out there and playing center. Like we got to have the Kevins of the world out there. We got to have the Hamps of the world, Ethan Boyd's where you, I mean, these are just guys with NFL bodies. Um, so I think it's kind of a twofold uh, factor that you got to be able to put guys out in the field who can compete with uh, the Alabamas, the Ohio States, who, are, who you're going to be playing against for four years here, as well as giving you guys an opportunity to go to the NFL, which is obviously going to be the goal for most, if not everybody, who comes through the program. Yeah, definitely. No, and I think, uh, you know, him saying to compete with uh, Ohio State, um, I think, you know, this class kind of, you know, sets the baseline for that and, you know, puts us on the right track to do that. Even with the transfers, you know, the kid Jared and I, I, my thought, my first thought of that kid, Harold Joyner, was like a Derrick Henry. I think they said he's like 6'4", 220. You know? Yeah, it's Kevin. We, I was just talking about that. I'm like, he's built like Derrick Henry. I'm like, I'm not comparing him to King Henry, but he, he's built that way. Like I was saying, yeah, one, we got one of his friends actually sent us some uh, workout tape of him. And this dude is like, it's sick. It, it's ridiculous. It, it's, it's, I have never felt more out of shape in my entire life. <laughs> I saw him doing. Uh, I saw him doing flips in one video, like a bunch. Yeah, of- that was that was crazy. That was like Olympic shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you guys beat Ohio State and get to a Big Ten championship, we might have to see that uh, at Spartan Stadium. You and him could both be doing flips back there. So I know I, I don't know about. <laughs> I'll have my camera out recording them, but I won't be. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Kevin, when you get to campus, I do have one recommendation. I would I would recommend getting a moped. Um, I'm yeah. not sure how much. I know you you came up here in the summer, but this place is it, it's massive. So um, I definitely I would definitely that's the one thing I regret not having is a moped. Um, yeah, I, was, I, uh, I know a couple of kids on the team now, so I went to go see a couple of them, and I went to their dorm, and there was, like, 40 mopads, you know, right outside. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I definitely will get one. But my first thought was, uh, you know, they're working on some dorm and apartment situations right now. But, uh, you know, once you hit December, like, you're right out on a moped, that's going to be freezing. And then, like, in the cold and the rain and the snow. If I can't have it's, a car on campus, that's, that, I'd rather do that, you know? I, there's nothing funnier than watching someone try to moped across campus when it's like, when it's like a blizzard outside. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's like a, it's quite a sight because they got like their hoodie, like pulled tight, like Kenny from South Park. They're wearing like ski goggles and yeah. they're like, and they're like, they have their 20 pound backpack on and they're just like. <laughs> they're, on this, they're on this little red moped just trying to get across trying to get to their next class it's hilarious so yeah, yeah the most I, I i echo brett i didn't get a moped when i was on campus and it let's just say like i didn't go to a lot of classes in general <laughs> you go to class i'm you know don't you know, I'm, I have a lot of friends like you from uh, my town. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Do as I say, not as I do. Uh, but, you know, I, I probably would have went to like 10% more if I had a moped. So, that um, rem- yeah, that but- reminds me of, uh, what was that show, Blue Mountain State? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't seen you in class for two years or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. It wasn't. Yeah, there, it might have been that bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I used to because I lived in apartments off campus. I used to, I used to be pretty stubborn, so I would I try to bike everywhere. Um, then one winter morning, just it didn't go well. Um, I'm sure there's footage of me somewhere 
just wiping yeah. out and just not a good situation. So I'm still trying to track that down to get it erased. Um, but yeah, I, the moped and plus you look cool on a moped. Like you get the whole football team pulling up to the business college on mopeds. Like there was just, a, yeah, you're going to have. Yeah, there was oh, a I'm video, sorry, I, Kevin. Think, I think Noah Cam or, or some player um, and it kind of showed all of them riding to practice on a moped and it looked like a biker gang. And, yeah, <laughs> yes. I, I saw them this summer. They were all on their bikes going to practice. Yeah, exactly. The yeah. Motor, yeah, the mopeds. But no, it's just like, we're excited to have you here. Um, I think kind of once you get on, you'll be getting on campus probably the nicest time of the year. Um, so it's just going to be, I mean, once you get on campus that first time, like as an actual student and student athlete in your case, like it's just a different feeling. And it's just like, it's honestly, it's the best four years of your life. Definitely. Or five. You could always do the victory lap. Yeah. I, I, Eight or a couple. You can do a couple of victory laps. You know, <laughs> college is a big, college is a big achievement, you know, to soak it in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I, when I was there, I, I went August 15th. Um, and that, that was a really nice time to be there and kind of like that nighttime when it was like 7 p.m. It's like, it's, you know, still warm out. But uh, it's crazy. I was telling my parents, like, just the smell of uh, East Lansing is uh, it's a good smell compared to some places in New Jersey. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that, it, it's funny you mentioned that. Like, yeah, I can, like, just thinking about the smell of East Lansing, I can smell it now. It's just like, yeah. I don't know. It, just, it feels like home. Definitely. Yeah, I, miss, I, I miss East Lansing dearly. And, you know, it's – I'm, I'm – very excited for you to get on campus. I'm so excited to see you wear the green and white. Um, you know, I plan to be, you know, if they allow, hopefully they, they're allowing fans in by September. I'll be there. I'll be there second game of the year against Youngstown State. Uh, I, I can't wait, Kevin. Uh, my one final question for you. This is an academic question. Uh, do you have a, do you have a major, do you have a major mapped out for, do you have a major mapped out yet? Yeah, I actually have that pretty mapped out pretty well. So um, I'm going to major in finance with a minor in uh, sports business, which is one of their uh, popular minors. And then, uh, you know, hopefully get my master's in my MBA. So master's in business uh, administration. And uh, hopefully, you know, I'm going to fast track and try and graduate in three years and, you know, hopefully do that in four. So th that's the goal. Yeah, excellent. Excellent. Um, doesn't sound like you're going to take a victory lap. So good for you. Uh, you know, uh, just, you know, uh, Kevin, uh, I just want to say congratulations again. Um, welcome. Welcome to Michigan State. We can't wait to see it. We can't wait to see you next fall, hopefully in person. God, please let there be in person. My parents and, are already planning for it to be in person, you know. <laughs> you know, plan for the plan for the best, expect the worst. That's, that's kind of my, that's my philosophy. Um, so hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to see you um, sometime in the future. Um, but thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for being a friend of the program. Thanks for being a great messenger and recruiter for Michigan State University. And um, have a Merry Christmas. Have a happy holiday. Uh, stay safe. Stay healthy. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, Merry Christmas to all you guys. Too. This was probably my last formal uh, interviews and all that stuff because they kind of want you to tune back on all that stuff now that, you know, you're kind of a part of the, the team and all that stuff. So appreciate you. Yeah, guys. We, we wanted Absolutely. to get you back in just under the wire. <laughs> there we go. Appreciate it. 
All right. Uh, thanks to Kevin for coming on. It's always a pleasure talking to him. Glad we got to talk. Glad we got to uh, have him on just under the wire before MSU needs to approve all of his press, all of his press stuff. Uh, we now welcome on uh, Carter Landis, my turn stud and co-host of the Hezzy Hay podcast, uh, Trevor. And we're going to talk Mando. Uh, I guys, um, I don't really have any. I don't really have much to say about episode seven, um, other than every time I see Bill Burr, I think about his Fox and Friends appearance where he talks about like his Catholic Church jokes. So if anyone has any thoughts on episode seven, you're more than welcome to share them here. But I want to spend the majority of this time talking about the finale. It was better than I thought it would be. So that's all I have to say. I was. Oh. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Trevor. Okay. So I was like, I was really kind of disappointed by the ending to an extent. Like, it was so cool to see Luke Skywalker, but like, mm. knowing. Whoa, we're not there yet, dog. We're on, we're talking about episode seven, but. Okay. My bad. No, you're good. You're, um. You blew it. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Bill Burr voice. Don't you think Trevor went too far? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I've accepted the fact that I'm probably gonna look like Bill Burr in like 20 years. That's like the blueprint <laughs> right there. So it's like uh, it, it's like when they do NBA comps for for rookies and coming. It's like Trevor's Trevor's comp is Bill Burr. Uh, Paul. Yeah, Pierre. it was. <laughs> it, well, it it was Louis C.K. for a while, but he's canceled. Yeah, he's canceled. Who's that? So you brought it up. Let's talk about the finale. Um, you know, we'll we'll get to we'll get to Mr. Skywalker in a minute. Um, I just kind of wanted to talk about leading up to that moment because it was honestly the the most invested, the most um, the most enthralled the show has had me um, in in like the in like these sixteen episodes. Um, I really thought um, Peyton Reed did who direct who directed the Ant Man movies for Marvel uh, did a great job, and um, you know, uh, Lights Camera Barstool talks about this all the time, but um, it really shown here. Uh, Ludwig Gordson, man, just absolutely murdering the score, just absolutely just just slapping his big old uh <clears throat> uh not slavic god damn it um i'm trying swedish? to think swedish uh no there's like a um north his big old north dick on the table and was like <laughs> beat that hans uh <laughs> you know uh the the, the fight like the saber uh beskar Staff fight between Moff Gideon and, and Mando is some of the was some of like the coolest lightsaber involved battling I've seen in a while and it was the most realistic because obviously the prequels were pretty cool but most of it was just like CGI plastic bodies jumping all over the place and you know just kind of swinging at each other there's a funny gif of like just uh, Luke 
of Anakin and Obi-Wan from episode three, like swinging their lightsabers and they're like six inches away from each other. It looks like they're rolling Molly at a, at a rave, just like swinging it around willy nilly. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go around and we'll just get everyone's general thoughts on the episode leading up to the Luke reveal. And then I, I feel like the Luke reveal kind of, kind of warrants its own separate discussion. So Trevor, we'll, we'll start with you. Let's just get your thoughts on the first, like, 34 minutes of of the episode so for the first like 30 minutes of it you you kind of felt like like these dark troopers were like it was the scariest thing on the planet like it's something (laughs) they've been like building up to for i feel like since last season right dark troopers have been like something we've known about so um yeah, I, I don't I was like really anxious about that. I was just really anxious to see those, I guess. Carter, what about you? Yeah, I thought the Dark Troopers were pretty cool. I think it was I think it was interesting how like he, he jams the door open, they all kind of like fly out and you're like, Oh, okay, that's it with those. But then <laughs> uh but then then they come back on the ship and then we'll 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 get into that later. But I, I pretty much got you know, everything I was looking for in that episode and then some as a fan. I mean, I'm not as, you know, I'm not as up on the Star Wars lore. Like I've seen all the movies and everything, but um, with this one, I was, I was, I was satisfied as a, as a relatively casual Star Wars fan. I, I, I have a, I have a general baseline knowledge. So I really enjoyed what I saw. I mean, you know, I, I, I mentioned it the last time I was on with, uh, I wanted to see Moff Gideon and, um, Mando as his and and his name is Dinjarin as I rediscovered. Um, <laughs> I I had forgotten that I'd seen that name and it was familiar. Uh, I saw that I got that. Um, I mean Boba Fett was as reliable as they needed him to be. Fennec and Dune are badass. But yeah, I I knew that they were going to do something big and 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 Lud- Ludwig Gornson did kill it. I mean you could tell pretty much right away. You know, with with the score of that one, you could tell it was the it was the it was the regular, I think, opening theme, the the title theme with yeah. and it was and it was, I think, theatrically enhanced a bit, which was which uh, which you were like, yeah, some something big's going down. But I, I thought they did a fantastic job with it. Yeah, Lucas, um, you know what? It, up until up until the X-Wing came in, uh, what you know, what did you think about what did you think about how the episode was moving? I thought it was going pretty good. Um, I knew the second that, you know, um, that Mando defeated the first dark trooper that came out that, you know, when he pushed the, the door to exit, to let them go out like uh, turds in an airplane, he, you knew those things were coming back. Uh, I, you know, I just told Cassie like, yeah, we're not done seeing those things. It's just, it's too convenient. And there was so much time left in the episode and boys when that x-wing showed up whoo lord i'm like is this luke skywalker and you know it was like the vince mcmahon you know series of gifts like you know i had my feet you know kind of on the table when when the when the when he beats uh moff gideon and then when all of a sudden you see the uh the green lightsaber you know you kind of go oh and then when luke skywalker takes off his cloak it's like he just fall over like he, he faints um, that was literally what I was doing. I was just, my jaw dropped and it's member berries. 
but oh yeah, I'm okay with a little with a little bit of memory base. Toss me one or two here and there, and um, I think I know what we're gonna discuss where this leads to with Grogu and you know Luke with Luke obviously that's prime Luke Skywalker. So we're getting ready for him to build the Jedi Temple. So I'm I'm not gonna theorize what's gonna happen next until we talk about it. Well, yeah, outside. Can, can I say something? Sorry. Yeah, like off of so yeah, when he like when he showed his or you saw like the gloved hand, that's when I knew I was like right there. I was like, Yep, that's Luke Skywalker. And that was the most badass we've ever seen Luke Skywalker be because you know, just because the movies came out in like the 80s, they didn't have the effects, we couldn't really see Luke just be this ultimate badass and like the greatest Jedi ever, how he's like proclaimed to be. So that scene was it. That was that was insane. Yeah, um, I have I have some takes. Um, I I've mellowed on one, but I have a few others. Um, off the top, the CG, the the effects, the the de aging, it was it was bad. It was really bad. Um, it 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 looked like a PS3 cutscene. Um, it I you know, like Tarkin. Tarkin worked in Rogue One because he was in the shadows. He was obscured, right? And that was done purposefully. And, you know, even even in something like The Irishman, where, like, the de-aging was, like, on the bleeding edge, like, it, could, like, it couldn't have gotten more expensive, more costly, more expert, more, like, more, more on an expert level, right? It, it still looked off. And Luke looked especially off because they weren't de-aging his, they weren't de-aging Mark Hamill. They were putting Mark Hamill's de-aged face on like a model's body. So it, 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 it had like this layer of uncanny valley. Like I think when, like I think when like Ant-Man and the Wasp like de-ages or like the MCU, like when they de-age um michael douglas Tony's. yeah yes michael douglas or when they de-aged um tony, tony. In civil war um it, it looked better because you had like the existing you had the existing body there you just needed to do touch-up work when you're trying to copy a when you're 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 telling me you put someone's face on their face on another face like when you try to do this weird face-off bullshit of like of taking of taking it just looks it doesn't look right um and you know i was a little i was a little like upset that they brought in luke but um someone brought up a good point it's like there were only so many there were only so many jedi in the galaxy like even in the high republic era um i think the official canon number of jedi in the high republic era is like ten thousand. um so and you know, around the time of Mando, like not counting Ray or Finn, who's force sense, who's force sensitive. There's maybe like ten, like true Jedi, like like taught Jedi. So it it makes sense that it was Luke. Um, I've kind of cooled off on like the this is bad for the show, but if they're going to continue to feature Luke, then it, he, I'm sorry, it needs it needs to be a new actor. You can't. You already recast Han Solo. Like you just need to pull the trigger and recast Luke. You can't, you can't have, you can't do this uncanny valley shit, especially at, especially on a TV show budget. Well, 
the thing the thing that I didn't like about it being Luke is that yeah, they're gonna have to de-age him now anytime they show him. So like if they're gonna continue to have Grogu, Baby Yoda in the show, are they gonna constantly de-age Mark Hamill? Because like the popular fan like casting would be like Sebastian Stan or whatever, and he looks just like Mark Hamill. Like it's uncanny. And if if this is like Mark Hamill's last hoorah to the like to the the role of Luke Skywalker, then I'm okay with it. But like, right? It like you've already recast uh, Lando, you recast Han Solo, so just just bite the bullet. There's gonna be backlash, but I think it would be better for the, the franchise long term if they just recast Luke. Yeah, because like the the audio like the voice track wasn't synced up to like the mouth it was it was it's honestly probably the worst effect i've seen in a star wars anything since yeah. like the since like the, the the weird band in jabba's palace in return of the jedi like it was it was that bad or like it like jar jar binks looked better in uh phantom menace than than D.H. Luke did. So you can't... I I think this is going to be a problem going forward because, like, if Luke is training Grogu, anytime you want to have Grogu in the show, you can't just have Grogu without Luke, right? Yeah. And, like... So... And, like, now you're introducing another timeline issue where Mando takes place 8 ABY, and the prequel and the sequels are 25 ABY. So if you're if Mando is a show that you're going to carry on for after this third season, whatever this third season looks like, like at some point, if you're going to have Grogu being trained by Luke Skywalker, Ben Solo is going to need to show up. Yep. So you know you're introduced. You know. Um, when I was more heated about the decision to include Luke, period, um, I called it a Pandora's box. And I don't, I, I'm ready to back away from that. But I just don't, I just don't know, you know, I think they're not counting on the show running for like 12 seasons, right? I yeah. think they're kind of counting on, on being done. Because like, the Lord knows there's going to be enough Star Wars content in the next five years to kind of to kind of take the load away from the Mandalorian. So, um, you know, we'll do our final, you know, I'll go around once, get, get everyone's final thoughts on the whole episode, and then we'll talk about the post credit scene, and then we'll head out. So, Trevor, final thoughts? Yeah, final thoughts. I really enjoyed it. I just, and, and what you said about the effects on Luke, I didn't notice it the first time I watched it, but when I watched it back, that's when I noticed it, because I, I think I was just so taken aback by the fact that Luke Skywalker was, in the show um but yeah i mean i just don't want them to like the relationship between baby or grogu and mando is just such it, it's like the best thing that's happened in star wars and probably since or my favorite thing since the original trilogy so i'm really upset to like see that dynamic play out and like that not be a thing anymore probably but all in all really good episode and it it was really it was such a good payoff, I feel like. Yeah, Carter? It makes me curious. 
Yeah, it makes me curious to see what they are going to do with this next season, because at the end of season one, you could tell that there was, you know, a, a forming bond between Grogu and Mando and that and that he was, you know, going to continue to protect him from people who were trying to come after him. And you knew that Moff Gideon was going to be heavily involved. But I honestly am not really sure where they're going in the direction with Mando in this one. I mean, I know that we have, I mean, I figure that he'll continue to to, to have a team with, uh, with Fennec and, and Cara Dune and probably some others who have been there before. And then if they do decide to continue with, uh, with Luke and Grogu, you know, him being trained, I figure that Luke, you know, Luke had mentioned that he was a very gifted child and, And it was uh, Ahsoka that had mentioned that he had reminded her of Yoda. So I figured they, they, they see him as the next Yoda type of type of protege. Um, If they do continue doing that. Yeah. With the de-aging, I don't really know how much I liked it. I mean, I was kind of like, I had a few thoughts at that point. I was like, is that, you know, a CGI thing? And then I figured, yeah, it was, or, and I, I had seen Sebastian Stan trending on Twitter. I was like, they didn't, did they? I think that would have been funny. And if they do recast, I think that's, that's, that's the good one. Um, yeah, I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like I'm kind of just left in the unknown with, with what's going to happen going forward. Um, I had questions about like the longevity of, of how long they would keep off him shielding off people from Grogu the entire you know throughout the series and then that had kind of I had kind of stopped thinking that once they showed how powerful Grogu could be and that would kind of he could protect himself and now that he's training with Yoda I figure that'll be kind of like a, a subplot of next season maybe that's the thing is I really I don't know I mean I I liked how it ended we'll get into you know the the end credit scene um but I feel like they could really go a lot of different directions with how season three goes. And then after, as far as it goes after that, I don't really know. Yeah. Lucas. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if season three is the last one of Mandalorian, but at the same time, it's, you know, baby Yoda's uh, Grogu, such a marketable figure, such a marketable, piece to you know all different ages that star wars really hasn't had out there um i'm really curious to see where season three goes like i think it's going to be bo katan it could it could open with bo katan and um din din jardin fighting for the crown you know even though (laughs) he's basically said take it she still wants to beat him because that's how as is tradition um I'm curious to see how much longer this go this show goes with all the with like what eleven other Star Wars shows coming, you know you're gonna have so much saturation. But I still think no matter what, Mando's gonna be the king because you know Obi Wan's probably gonna be <laughs> see his cat behind him. Obi Wan's gonna be probably one season, um, and or Cassian Andor is gonna be one season, um, you know. So I guess there's not as much saturation, but. I got to wonder if a Star Wars burnout is going to be coming eventually, regardless of how, how much quality Favreau and Filoni pump out, you know, you got to kind of wonder what might happen. Cause I thought it would happen after episode nine, but clearly the Mandalorian has shown, like Trevor said, it is, I think it's the best thing Star Wars has done since empire strikes back. 
and I mean, it, I was all out after episode nine, but this this shit just reels me back in, and I can't wait to see what happens. Well, I think you know, Lucas, to that to that point you made about burnout. Uh, I don't like. I think I think burnout is only going to happen if the stuff they continue to put out is mediocre. If if they're going to continue right. to put out good content, then then people are still going to watch it. Uh, you know, I'm kind of curious to see where they go with season three because not only do we have um, the end credit scene, um, we have the biggest criticism from people who don't like that people call Mandalorian like one of the best shows on TV, right? It's like, there's no, yeah. over, there's no overarching story. There's no plot, right? It's just adventure of the week. And that's part of what I liked about it. Uh, but now it's clear that they're going for more narrativized arc. And, you know, this whole battle for the throne thing is, you know, it's what Game of Thrones fucking was, you know? So, um, I'll be interested to see what they do with season three um, in terms of, you know, the, the dark saber storyline, because, you know, it, if, if Mandalore is, is, is habitable, the, the ruling leader is like a member of like a cult. So it'll be interesting to kind of see like, you know, heavy is the head that wears the crown. Right. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how they, how they handle that going forward. Um, so um, I'll end with this and then I'll, and then I'll, and then we'll end it. Um, scale of one to ten. How excited are you guys for the book of Boba Fett, Trevor? Um, I think a six. I, like I think Boba Fett's kind of an overrated character. I'm just not that interested. It was like cool to see him show up, and like when he he showed up and his armor was repainted and everything like that was awesome. But like they need to go over like the Sarlacc pit stuff and how he like lost his armor and stuff. I, I don't, I guess I just don't care about him post Mandalorian. I care about what happened in between, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Carter. My whole thing with the Boba Fett thing, I think they set it up really well. I think it's going to be pretty cool. Um, my question is the longevity of the character. I mean, you know, the fact that, Star Wars has has time and time again shown that you know characters that you had once presumed dead are not dead, um, you know, like they did with Darth Maul in the in the in the animated show, and then you did with Palpatine in the sequels, which I could just go on about the sequels because I strongly don't really like them. But um, with this one with Boba Fett, I don't really know what more you could do with his character but that's because i'm not fully aware of his character i mean i know enough about what you know they do with boba fett to a point um and i'm sure there's a there's a good amount that they can do with it i just don't know what that would be so i'm curious to find out um i don't know you know the thing is, is like like lucas mentioned with how long they were going to have shows go on i don't know how long this one would go on uh i think it could be pretty fun especially with him you know taking over uh, where Jabba had once been. I'm I'm decently excited about it. I'll probably I'll probably watch it. I didn't know how excited I was going to be for the Mandalorian at first, but then it's turned out to be one of my favorite things in Star Wars. So if it's if it's a similar production type of skill, then I'll probably enjoy it. I'll probably put my okay. my thing on a one to ten at about a about a six and a half. Okay, uh, Lucas. Yeah, I'm out of six. 
I'm, I'm with them. I, you know, it's going to be one season. I, I can't imagine more than one. Um, there's some gaps to fill. And I think that's what it's doing. Cause I'm sure there's some small part of the fan base. That's the Boba hive is, is sitting there going, um, you know, what, where is our, where is our King been? And he's back. So we need to explain some things. So it'll, it'll, the hardcore Star Wars fans will love it. I think the average Star Wars fan will think it's okay, and the casuals might not even listen, might not even watch it. My thoughts. Um, I, I, I'm I'm an eight because I think I think it's obvious that um, Favreau and Filoni, their favorite their favorite Star Wars action figure growing up was Boba Fett. That's why they made a TV show about a Mandalorian, uh, someone who wears similar armor to Boba Fett. So I, you know, in, in a lot of ways, I feel like this might be their dream project. So I don't think they're gonna, I don't think they're gonna like let themselves fuck it up, um, fumble the bag, you know? So uh, I, I think they'll do right. Um, you know, I think they're, I think they set it up to where um, Boba Fett is going to have like a shorter arc and we may never see him again after the book of Boba Fett. So um, I'm really interested to see what they do with that going forward. I'm really interested to see what they do with the Mandalorian going forward and, and all this Disney plus star Wars content. Uh, so fellas, thanks for coming on. Uh, thank you. To, thanks again to Kevin. Thank you to Manscaped uh, fellas. Have a Merry Christmas. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, go green. The white. Hey, oh, Trevor. yeah, he doesn't agree. Hey, Happy Honda Day. Hey, Trevor. Say the word. I can't. I can't. I'll say Ghost Sponge. Yeah, at least give me a uh, I can say go. I, can, I definitely could say Ghost Sponge, but, go you know, Lewis. like, if, if I said go it, <laughs> Brody and, and all those, they'll, they'll show up in my apartment <laughs> and kick my ass. So I, you'll, I have so many, you'll have so many deep fried memes made about you. Yeah, I can't. All right. All right. Merry Christmas, fellas. Let's see.